Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Android's Garage. Android's Garage is a show that's all about starting a car company and just kind of general shenanigans with cars, stuff that's going on in the car universe or metaverse, I guess is what you'd say in 2022, even though I don't know what metaverse means. Uh, it's it's everything uh, kind of car tech and I'm, I'm an engineer by background and I kind of geek out all, over all the, the tech and happenings in the, the automotive world. So one of the most interesting things that's happening in my eyes is this, this transition to, I guess you could say electrification, but it's really just renewable resources. Uh, and, and this gets into the hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, the, the you know, Tesla-like EVs, and then hybrid solutions, like some, there's something in the middle. And really what I think is going to win is like some something, I, I think there's going to be a combination of everything, but it's, it's whatever the most efficient and effective uh, means of energy storage will, uh, will reign true here. Because the, anything with electricity is pretty high efficiency, so it's, it's effectively carrying that energy. So I'm watching the space race and it's super interesting, but as... Some of you may know if you've listened to the pilot, I started a little car company. And the little car company is referred to as a little car company because I'm not going out and I'm saying I'm Toyota or Subaru. I think the maximum I would ever want to grow this thing to is the, the likes of like Pagani, where you have a great research and development facility and you get to make awesome cars. Once you hit that mass market kind of... Uh, bandwidth or offering the the things that make your car special get diluted and that's not something that I'm setting out to do uh, I think that I can make money with this but I also think that I can just really make some awesome cars that people want to enjoy and I'm not producing like Pagani level cars where they're two million dollars a pop I'm kind of targeting these what's a these things called replica vehicles, which is like a new category, where basically anything over the age of 25, 25 years old, I can I can go out and make a replica of this vehicle, or I can do uh, something without an engine and drivetrain and sell it as a kit. And one day, you know, I might actually get to go out and do some crazy hypercar, supercar, whatever it might be. But for now, it's these kit cars and replica cars. My real fascination is with race cars, though. But if you look at every like track car and like uh, race car, uh, that company that's kind of been brought by or founded by ambitious engineers and other really just passionate founders, they all die, and it's it's a bloody mess. One of the toughest things as an engineer designing a car is not leaning too hard into the tech. And one of the things about like a track car or a race car is you have this set of parameters. So if I'm looking at like the SCCA regulations or the FIA regulations, I have kind of a bounding box for what I'm supposed to design for whether it's endurance racing or some kind of spec class racing. And I can, I can build that thing. But if you go to the track on a certain weekend and you're looking at the people racing, there might be 20, 30 people per class, tops, 
And if there's only six or seven classes, you have in a certain region, like I'm located in the northeastern region of the U.S. So if, if in that clump of like seven states, uh, if there's only a few hundred people there, well, that's my, that's my market size. And if you combine all the different regions from around the country, it ends up being a really, really small market. So the majority of the market share goes to people that want to drive an awesome car on the road to, and maybe sometimes on the track. That's really what the, what the demographic needs to be. So as an engineer, and I catch myself doing this all the time uh, when I'm designing, it's going like, oh, well, you know what? The car would be better if we lowered it about you know another three quarters of an inch and then we made the suspension a little stiffer in this regard or uh, we, we sharpened up the steering this way or whatever it might be. Those, those, little, those little things slowly make the car undrivable on the road uh, and <laughs> quite, quite scary uh, if, if you're not expecting to drive a race car because you know, race cars don't handle like regular cars. Like if you have the slightest bit of anti-Ackerman on your car, that's pretty beneficial for like medium to high speed corners. But on, on the road, you're, you can't pull into parking spots as well. The steering's heavy. You have a little bit of push at low speed. And you, gotta, you have to kind of steer, steer with your right, uh, right foot so you can load up those front tires the way they're supposed to be loaded. And as an engineer, it's so easy to kind of go down this line. This, uh, not slope, but this, this, man, I'm losing my words here. But it's easy to go down this path of just, of designing this undrivable machine on the road. And that inevitably makes your car unbuyable by the majority of people's standards. So one of the reasons why all these small car companies fail is people... It's hard to have the discipline as someone who loves cars so deeply to be able to design them. Um, <laughs> I, 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 one of the things that I constantly have to do is I have to look at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration rules and regulations, which is the most boring set of regulations. And they're super confusing. Uh, there's... They, they all reference a bunch of other documents. Uh, they all, uh, they cross over. There's, there's different documents that kind of say the same thing. Um, it's, it's really, really confusing. But what I do to give, to keep myself in line is I always design around those, those rules and regulations in, in addition to the motorsport regulations. Because I use the motorsport regulations to help uh, keep my car uh, trackable and it, it still clears some level of competition if they're not going to put you in an unlimited class. But it also really conforms to the road. So looking at like a standard production like C6 Z06 Corvette, your ride height's like five inches, right? So if I come out with like three and a half degree front bumper uh, clearance or like a three and a half 
inch overall clearance and I have like this skirt that's like a half an inch off the ground in the front. Well, you know, that's a pretty awful design choice for the road. But if I kind of stay with like, okay, I have this constant five degree or five inch uh, design parameter for ride height. Well, now I can clear, you know, some speed bumps, not all of them, but I can, I can clear some speed bumps. So kind of, kind of grounding yourself is, is important um, with, with the boring regulations, with the non-fun stuff, which makes, which makes making a car company a little shitty sometimes, if I'm honest. But what, why am I doing this? It's, it's not because I want to be the, the next Pagani or, you know, some of the newer guys like Fisker or, you know, Tesla or whoever it might be. I don't want to be this, uh, you know, this giant company. As I, I think I said earlier, I, I, what I, what I see happening is that all these sports cars are being, being cut, right? So you have Subaru just announced that they're, they're cutting the WRX STI and they're not bringing it back. Uh, there, there's, there's a dozen, that's, that's the freshest one on my mind, but pretty much every single sports car is getting cut. Like even if you look at like a new three series, like I have an E46 BMW, you know, 330CI, nothing, nothing special. Uh, standard inline six, three liter inline six, uh, manual transmission. Um, and one of the things that is special about that car is it was pretty easy to like kind of upgrade and, and get it to go racing. Uh, I went to the junkyard. I got, uh, out of an automatic, I got a higher ratio diff. I think it was like a three, four, six. Uh, it was open, but I did, I got this like weird, like pressure plate thing uh, from like racingdiffs.com and put that thing in there and that that kind of locks it, they say it's up to 30% lock but it, it's it's something it's not it's not a true LSD but it's it's something so I have this you know like budget limited slip diff I have this uh, sorry for that I have you know a fuel cell in the trunk and you know I have those <laughs> those aggressive blue uh, racing track pads. And it's, it's it was super easy to do. It was all bolt-on stuff, nothing really crazy. The only thing that really bit me was putting in a cage because that was so hard to do because I had never welded to a car before. And some of that, some of that thin gauge metal is so, 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 so dirty. And it's, it feels like it's impossible to clean it. And... Uh, you're, you're welding this really dirty metal and then you come into contact with adhesive on that other side of the metal sometimes. And it just makes for some of the worst welding. So putting a cage in was definitely the hard part. And to be honest, I have, I have my welder buddy coming to clean up a couple of my, uh, I say a couple of my beads, I mean like entire sections. So definitely don't try and weld your own cage. Uh, I wouldn't do that again, but Irregardless, if that car was relatively easy to build, you know, rebuild the engine, do the drivetrain, bushings, whatever it might be, and it took you know it took some weekends and a few thousand bucks. But you look at like a modern day three series. First of all, the thing looks like a Honda Accord. It's wicked ugly. Uh, and if you get into like the you know M two M three range, yeah, it starts to look pretty good again, and it starts to get pretty quick. 
but how the hell are you going to modify these things? Like, there's there's so many electrical gremlins and things, and so much stuff you'd have to take out to even start to play with it. It's it's pretty complicated and, and just expensive to do. And as as we kind of go towards this, as we go towards like electrification and and alternative fuels, it doesn't become an issue of oh the cars don't sound as cool. Oh the cars don't respond like they used to. Because with, if, let's say everything went full EV, we could kind of get it to feel the way that it should be for driver responsiveness. And it's actually kind of easier to, to characterize these things. The hardest thing would be kind of managing tires and getting them, you know, because uh, especially at like lower speed corners um, or tighter radius corners, I, I've had buddies with Teslas that just eat their tires. Uh, if they if they get it on it a little too hard because the, the electric motors are literally so strong that it, it becomes an issue for uh, you know scrubbing the tires or actually just kind of just eating them at slower slower speeds but tuning tuning issues aside I think it's possible for EVs to kind of be fun where where I think it's going to be problematic is I've had buddies that work at uh, some of the major car brands and they're dis- they're starting to design these cars like uh, like phones or like a laptop. So like this th- these cars are gonna phase out. So you're gonna get you're gonna go out and you're gonna buy a car, and it's gonna have all this fancy tech in it. And there's there's gonna be certain aspects of the car that are literally like software, where your light you can license it from the manufacturer, and they're able to turn off sport packs or or whatever it might be, in addition to navigation or whatever, from from the the headquarters or wherever <laughs> wherever their software mecca is in the Amazon Web Services server in God knows where, where wherever these things are controlled from, I think the it, it's going to be really 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 difficult for people to use these these vehicles to their maximum potential, modify them to their maximum potential. But I also think that the designs are going to shift quite a, quite a ways. Because if, if these things are able to offer as many features as, as, as they're claiming they'll, they'll be able to do, you know, like self-driving and, uh, you know, well, really taking your hands off the wheel is like kind of a, a massive feat. But if you're able to do like self-driving and uh, the, the vehicle knows everything about the sensors and whatever, whatever's going on with this thing, it's going to be difficult to, for, it's going to be hard for engineers to do the, to, to rein themselves in, just like it is for me when I'm designing a high-performance vehicle. They're going to lean into these kind of creature comfort features that sell shitloads of cars. I think that it, that's that's gonna happen, and these things are gonna turn into from what these what it was in like the glory days, which I'd say is like the '70s to like the mid 2000s, where cars were just kind of you know they're this this well not the cars but the sports cars of those days were just like super special, and there there's one from every year, and what what I think is gonna happen is 
these engineers are going to end up just making like not, not like the Jetsons car, but like the the ugliest SUVs. With like they'll have body lines and all that stuff, and but like look at a Tesla. The things are huge. They're boats. And if you look at the uh, emissions requirements for a large manufacturer that that they have to meet, it's easier to get around it with uh, with an electric vehicle. So if they have these electric vehicles, and they're they're easier, the, the emissions aspects of them are easier to hit. Uh, well. How, why not make them bigger? Why not add a little bit more shoulder room? Especially in the United States, where we don't really have crazy constraints on roads. Uh, everything's pretty big. I mean, if a semi-truck can fit down it, we can probably have a, a reasonable-sized road car go down it. So these these vehicle constraints are going to be relatively loose, and I, I think they're going to turn into more of... It's going to turn into more of like a limousine experience than it will anything else. Because who's buying cars? The people that are buying cars are mostly just trying to get around. They're not, they're mostly not car guys. And the car guys are buy, buying vehicles, but it's such a niche, niche market. It's, it's such a fraction of the market share that I don't think the big guys are gonna be able to support them the way that they have for years. Because realistically, the, the performance parts weren't that much different. They were just kind of beefed up versions and uh, sli you know slightly different than the... Uh, I, I mean, unless you're getting into like some of the engines that have like... Like the, the, some of the valve technology, like where they have like powdered metal on the inside of the valves or the valves are hollow or something. Those, some of this tech that goes into that stuff is nuts. But it... If you're, if you're talking about like a steering rack, like a quick ratio steering rack is not that much different from a, a standard steering rack. And a high pressure fuel system is not that much different from a standard pressure fuel system. So if, if when, when we're getting into what's gonna change, a lot of these things that we're able to do as car guys right now is gonna go away. And the the correlation of technology between these two things are, are going to start to really, really change. Like uh, a steering rack or a steering system, more like it, that is used in a self-driving vehicle or some, like level two or level three. It doesn't have to be fully automated uh, self-driving. I believe level two self-driving is kind of like what Tesla has right now. Uh, or I think actually GMC, I think Tesla's actually at level three. Uh, and then level four is like you can go to sleep <laughs> in the back seat. Like it doesn't matter what you're doing. So I think once you get into those those realms, the cars are going to be so fundamentally different that the same flow of either buying or building a performance vehicle is just going to be greatly different. And w the demand's still going to be there. I don't think that that's going to change. I think that people love just like how people love have loved watches. Or how people love trains or planes or cars. I don't think that's going to change. I don't think that desire is going to go away. But what I do think is going to happen is I think that the the way that true car people are going to be supported is, is through smaller volume manufacturers. And I don't know if it's going to be more of a boutique thing or if it's going to be more of this widespread uh, adopted piece of technology. Like it'll be normal to have one of these cars. 
I, I think that that's, that's the shift that we're going to see because the, the large guys aren't going to be able to support this, the smaller demand, especially with the divergence in, in tech. And the little guys are, the regulations are changing for small manufacturers to come out and make a, make a formidable pro, uh, product. Granted, there's tons of hurdles and tons of problems that you face as a small manufacturer. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell my story for, how, like, I kind of want to do an up to speed podcast where I kind of go through the steps of how I've, I've, I'm about a year into this project. Uh, and I, I kind of want to just recap it because it, it's nuts what it's like trying to start a, a car company because it's kind of like going like, hey, mom and dad, I'm Willy Wonka. I'm starting a chocolate factory. Like, it's so absurd. No one, no, <laughs> no one quite understands why or how or if that's even feasible. It's, it's kind of like going, I don't know. It's kind of like, I guess, being a painter. Like, I don't, no offense to all the artists out there, but it, it's kind of viewed as like, the same unattainable kind of silly career path. Even though you can have all the business metrics can make sense. All, every, everything can be there to make a good business, but like the initial shock factor is just so crazy. That's one of, honestly one of the biggest hurdles of starting a car company is just convincing people that this is a good idea. Because of all the dead bodies in the past of the engineers starting track car, kit car companies that have, have gone bust or never even got off the ground uh, to, to just the, the logistics of the, all, it goes from zero to a hundred, right? And in, in the majority, in the majority of people's eyes, it goes from like, okay, well you make one car a year and then there's Ford doing you know, ten billion dollars a, a a quarter. There's there's no middle ground. So like saying that you're gonna you're gonna do it uh, is is the craziest bit. And I I think that there's gonna be a good amount of people that come out to do this. And I I hope that there is. I think that we're all gonna compete with each other, but we're also all gonna support each other. And that's one of the reasons why I want to do this this podcast and talk about what it's like to to go through doing this because it is so challenging to to raise funds it's challenging to to wrap your head around the technology and it's challenging to to socially to even do this so kudos to anyone who's out there getting it done who is maybe is behind me or further along than me like kudos to you this is uh uh, oh, just pat yourself on the back, Nick. <laughs> You're doing such a great job. Uh, I, I don't mean for it to come off like that, but um, yeah, I, I hope anyone who's who's out doing this is is getting it done. Okay, so I think that's the podcast for today. Um, we're gonna get. I'm obviously gonna get better at this as I go along. So it's first one, and being. This is my first time outside the engineering office, guys. So there's lights and other people and it's hard to remember how to socialize. So stay tuned, follow us, like us on social media at am2racing.com. 
or I guess that you, I can't, you can't really like, like us there, but you can check out our Instagram and our Facebook pages at AM2 Racing. Uh, and just subscribe to the podcast. And I promise we'll be going over a lot more uh, vehicle tech uh, and stuff that's going on in the industry. Uh, this was just kind of an intro episode to let you guys a little bit know more about me and some of the stuff that I've been working on and that uh, I hold near and dear. So thanks for listening and I uh, hope to talk to you guys soon.